Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and the man who's up and down your chimney with alarming regularity, (laughs) it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Merry Christmas, Windy. Merry Christmas, boys. Hope you had a nice time. Yeah. Aside aside from Spurs. (laughs) Um, Bardi, how was the Colombian Christmas? Uh, It's pretty good. They do everything on, on the 24th, so the 25th. For me, it was a bit weird, like ringing back home and seeing the the panic setting in in my family household where they, they realise they have to cook without me and they they don't know how to do that. They spend the whole year criticising my, my dinner and then the year I'm not there, they realise that w- without me linking things together and sorting it out, they don't know what to do. So they sent me photos of, the, of their roast potatoes. It looked like they'd cooked it with a hammer and... Um, <laughs> some petrol and some matches so i thoroughly enjoyed my 25th even though it was very chilled here and i had an excellent juicy moist turkey on the 24th which i delighted my um colombian family with i also um i brought crackers over to to colombia because they don't they didn't even know what they were here and i i revealed this big box of of tubes and they 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 all seemed to duck they thought they were going to explode in their faces <laughs> i'm like no but um yeah had a great time introducing the the cracker tradition to um to colombia it was great very nice very nice yours all good nathan yeah yeah not bad so uh, my um my uncle, my uncle and auntie, they live next door to me, and he, uh, for his midlife crisis, built a pub in his garden, uh, which is essentially where he lives now, <laughs> in his in his bar uh, down the bottom of his garden. And we normally have Christmas down there, the two families together, or sometimes more. And obviously that wasn't that wasn't an option uh, this year for us. So we had we had Christmas at home for the first time uh, in several several years. Uh, but I did manage to sneak my girlfriend rounds before the uh, the uh, between the announcement and midnight that night that we were in tier four. Uh, so that's been really nice. So yeah, it's been it's been a good Christmas. Awesome, lovely stuff. Yeah, mine was not the usual Christmas, but it was fine. You know, make the best of it, don't you? Sure. Had FaceTime with the family in the morning and the afternoon, and yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, let's get stuck into into the Wolves game. Can we keep because, talking about yeah. Christmas instead? <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, we'll start with Wolves because it's freshest in our minds, but I guess we should touch on Stoke as well. Um, so there were some interesting things in the team selection this time. Normally we've just been saying, so team selection, I guess the bench was interesting. Um, mm. No, there were some changes. There were some actual changes. Um, and one of them was amusingly foiled within the match starting because... We moved to a three at the back formation, presumably to match up to Wolves' typical three at the back formation, except they've been chopping and changing a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, and for the first time under Nuno Espirito Santo, they, they've been playing a back four. Um, and I did think before the game, in fact, I said in our um, in our X-Sub Discord, like, I'm not fully convinced they're going to play a, a back three. And that was not at all based upon how I thought they would tactically best line up against Spurs, but upon the availability of their centre-backs. I mean, they've got arguably their best centre-back in Bolly out injured. 
so I was thinking how they're going to get three centre-backs on the pitch. As it turned out, they put the back four. We started with the back three, but very quickly abandoned that. But there were other interesting team selection things too, Nathan. Were you surprised to see Harry Winks in the team? Somewhat surprised, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, There was a fair bit of celebration for his performance against Stoke. Um, I won't disagree with that. I would just say I didn't particularly notice that myself. But I think Mourinho was praising him. There's a lot of punditry praise for him. Uh, he came second in the Man of the Match Twitter poll. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's sort of wanted, wanted to do that sort of reward for good performance thing. Um, t- t- take the argument that he did play very well against Stoke. It's it's still not. It's never going to be the case that he's like, oh, okay, good. We can Winks is going to be a, a competitor mm. for first choice at Spurs. So I don't really see, other than like sending a message, I don't really see what it does for us a huge amount. I guess there's still a lot of football to play. And we need to be rotating, but like he's not going to overtake the other options there. I don't think anyway. So slightly odd, I guess, on that front. The 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 three four three. I mean, yeah. Throughout this season and last season, even too, we've gone for a back three when the opponents have used the back three and, and matched them essentially three four three for three four three up and down the pitch. So like, it certainly seems like that was the idea. Um, despite like having an hour between Wolves eleven announced, which was very obviously going to have to be. A four-two-three-one. We still opted to start in the three-four-three, which is the only thing that gives me the slightest bit of pause. Mm-hmm. I saw what the intentions were with that, and I thought we started really well. We played that formation for the first mm-hmm. twenty, twenty-five minutes. I thought we played well. We scored, and then we switched <laughs> to the four-two-three-one. Um, and with that, we did what we've been doing for the last couple of months which is we we sat off and we sat off and we sat off and we tried to get them on the counter and we didn't really get much in the way of counters going uh we restricted them massively through the second half you know it's not like they battered us they 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 were forced into pot shots they were forced into crosses they were forced into set pieces um and eventually uh we gave way at the death and it kind of felt inevitable but then if they hadn't scored we'd have said it didn't feel inevitable, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it treads that line, um, but that is the line that we opted to tread. So, understat gave Wolves 0.74, uh, Michael Cayley's under, uh, uh, XG model gives Wolves one expected goal exactly to our 0.4 on, on both models. So, it's, yeah, it's not like Wolves were just, like, littering our goal with shots. Um, it's not like we were completely outplayed. It's just that we, for me, the issue isn't that we concede the, you know, 1.0 expected goals coming the other way. It's that we are failing to continue to offer a threat on the counter. And I tweeted a thread yesterday and I've just posted a video on the end of it, uh, capturing most, I think most of the moments where we've attempted to have a counter attack against Wolves and they have prevented it. Uh, Half the time they're preventing it with a foul. Um, But like, (laughs) That is what counter-pressing is. Uh, that is a big part of it. And just because a foul feels like an unfair unfair way to have your counter-attack prevented, um, it's still a hard thing to pull off. It's still something. And what I've talked about in that in that Twitter thread is that like I think the main thing that's changing here is fitness. I think what we've benefited from for quite a while is um, a kind of fitness advantage, well, a freshness advantage, in that we play a lower-intensity kind of football that leaves us fresher, whereas... 
opposition teams they're trying to play high lines they're trying to counter press us they're trying to play highly energetically and um it's not been working for them because the season is so cramped because there's been no pre-season because players have been missing periods of time with the coronavirus and all kinds of other things that haven't gone their way and what i think is happening is that it's beginning to come back around and and other teams are finally reaching a, a level of fitness that is above ours so what you're saying is essentially that the, the season up until now has acted as, as if it were a pre-season for a number of teams who want yeah. to do energetic things and, and now they're able to move into their prime fitness. Um, and I think another thing that's working against us is not just the other teams becoming fitter and us less so is our lack of rotation. And I'll go further than that, not just lack of rotation, it's the number of games that our key players have played. So mm. I'm thinking in particular Kane, Son and Hjolbjerg who, off the top of my head, I haven't checked this, but I suspect they're the ones who've played the most minutes for us this season. Uh, they're all looking knackered. They all look, you know, like they need a week off. And I mean a week, not not a match off, a week off. They need some time off to recover and, and let their bodies recuperate. Um, and I'm, I must admit, I'm, I'm very fearful for their hamstrings at this point. I'm very fearful for the hamstrings. So even with some rotation, and we, you know, we saw Soko get a rest. We saw Toby Adeverald get a rest. I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, but we still haven't rested Kane and Son and Kyoibio for any significant um, amount of time. And I think that's um, a concern. But I guess Mourinho's thinking, well, you know, I, I can. I'm, I'm barely managing to get beyond 0.4 expected goals. I can't now rest Kane and Son as well. They're my main source of goals. And, that, you know, that's, that's a fair point. How how would we continue in this style we're playing now without Kane and Son? It's, just, it's not, that's not going to happen. We have to make some changes to our style in order to, to rest them. Uh, that is the predicament we find ourselves in. Really interesting matchup against Wolves. You're right, they weren't, they weren't exactly banging the door down they were playing really well in build-up i thought uh, pedence is a lovely player to watch mm. neto neto's fantastic isn't he he's, i think he's 20 neto i mean he's going to be some player as he as he yeah. as he gets more experienced he's lightning quick as well i'm really really impressed with him um and, and they look good but uh bless him I, I thought the striker tried really hard. Is it Fabio silva i think yeah i think he's called fabio silva mm-hmm. he, he's 18 i think um he got into some good positions. He he works hard. He's got a good touch. There's a lot of potential there. But got kicked in the foot by Eric Dyer, but fell the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's no Raúl Jiménez at this point, and um, I definitely feel like had Raúl Jiménez been on the pitch, then we might have been in trouble in this game, and we we might not have got away with a, a one all. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, the point is that we weren't really able to lay a glove on on Wolves throughout the match. We didn't try to lay a glove on yeah, Wolves throughout the match, it, and that's, that's the disappointing thing. Um, Bardi, any thoughts? It's, uh, I mean, I think Winks starting, I think, was fair enough. I think it was good to give Winks an opportunity. He's he's done okay in, in I thought he was okay against Leicester. I thought he was pretty decent against uh, a bad Stoke team. So him starting, I, I, was, I was okay with. But then um, from the bits I've seen, because I, I was unable to watch the whole game, but I've gone back and watched the highlights. I think the bits I've seen, you can see he he does get caught out of position. He's he, he does seem to drift away from Choiberg, um, whereas him is whereas Choiberg and Sissoko are a much stronger platform there. So, but I, I think I can't. You can't blame Winks for this. The problem is with this Tottenham team is you're right. Did we did we try to lay a glove on Wolves or are we unable to? There's been a a massive drop-off in Kane. I don't think Kane should have started against Stoke, but then I could see 
why he started because a League Cup is something that Mourinho is dying for, is something mm. for him to prove a point with. And I think at this moment, him getting to the final of the League Cup will, will lift a large weight off his shoulders and it will be something that he can keep in the cupboard and use to, as a shield to defend himself to set, defend himself against um, complaints about his football. But yeah, I think the mass, I think the biggest problem with Spurs is the drop-off in Kane. I, I don't think he's looked very good against Leicester. I didn't think he looked very good against Wolves. And Son is going through his, his little dip and we know that he has these dips. And we've spoken many times about when Son is on, on fire, you've got to ride him like a racehorse because he's unbelievable. But then you do have to kind of guide him around when, he, when he's not great. Um, I don't know if Spurs had another way of playing against Wolves. I look at this team and... With Delhi ostracised, with Bale not being Bale, with the the weakness in Sissoko's game, the weakness in Winx's game, the tiredness in Schoeberg, I'm not sure what more you can ask from this team other than to sit deep and play on the counter and hope we produce something magical. We're not going to high press. As Nathan said, we don't have the fitness. And this is shown in the stats that we've conceded the most goals in the Premier League in the last 10 minutes. We've had... a a handful of shots in the last few games in in the second half. We haven't got the legs to press and continue to press. We don't have the players to to play possession football. They're just not able to do that. So I think at this moment we're kind of stuck in this rut of of score early, sit deep, and try and try and counter with Son and Kane. But um, Nathan's thread on Twitter regarding Wolves stopping our counter attacks is is brilliant, and Wolves did an excellent excellent job at doing that. But I still think we'll we'll start gathering more points now up against the weaker teams because they won't be as smart or as fast or as as clever as Wolves. So I, I'm not I'm down, but I'm not in pieces. I'm not pulling my hair out saying this is the end of Tottenham Hotspur. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I'm not sure. I agree on the point about us not having the players to play possession yeah. football. I mean, cle- clearly, clearly, that's not going to happen under Mourinho. Like he's that's not the way he wants to control games he, he doesn't see that as necessary and in fact he sees it as dangerous he sees yeah. that as a as a means for other teams to to counter on you and score and uh and so he sees that as an unnecessary risk to take so you know fine fine but we need to find alternatives to just the the style of counter-attacking we're doing right now and against wolves i mean so nathan nathan makes the point that you know we're not conceding many expected goals we're not conceding many big chances and that is i think that's consistent across the majority of the season. Yeah. But that's because we've got, and I'm not exaggerating, it's because we've got nine players camped <laughs> out in, in and around our box, right? You know, that's why we're so good defensively because we are packing our box with our own team and the edges of the box and stopping your position, creating good chances, mm. which of course, of course that has an impact on our ability to create chances. Um, and we have got you know, terrifically quick players like Regulon and Son who can move us up the pitch quickly, but that's quite an easy style to defend against and teams have worked us out now to some degree you know I, I noticed um in in a few of our games recently we've seen Kane double marked I mean it's tiring enough for Kane as it is being marked by one player being marked by two is a real problem for him and then you've seen teams just uh, defend a bit deeper against Son not give him the space to run into and, and that negates a lot of his ability and then when he comes deep people get frustrated with him and, and rightly because he, he's not as effective when he's dropping deep but um, if we if we were to play possession based, who how do you line us up? Like how do you make this team a possession based team? Who, how do you do it? So I think if Jose Mourinho is not your manager, you could play. Wait wait wait! wait but that, Jose Mourinho, we're not going to fire Jose Mourinho tomorrow, and all of a sudden start no. to play possession based. So if you're asking Tottenham under Mourinho to play possession based now, if this is what you want, 
I don't think with these players that you you can play that style of football. I just don't think we have the midfield or the so, forwards. So in midfield, I would play Huey Bion, Dombele and Celso. And yeah. I think that is a really competent um, possession midfield. Uh, the problem is that Mourinho is not going to pick that. I mean, he's just... he's If he was going to pick that, he'd have done it by now. Um, he, when he's picked Lacelso and Dombele together, either Lacelso has been out on the right or Dombele has been playing as a 10. And I, I just... Like, I want to see us play 4-3-3, you know. I want to see us play an actual 4-3-3. Give it a go. See what happens. Huey Bio is a very solid uh, screening midfielder. Have Ndombele one side of him, Lacelso the other side. Just see what happens. But I don't, I don't think we're going to see that. Um, maybe we'll see it against Marine <laughs> or, or I don't know, Brentford, maybe. But I don't think we're going to see it in a Premier League match anytime soon, unless, unless we're chasing a game. And then once again, what we saw when we were chasing the game was... There was a bit of a like, oh wow, Spurs can put some passes together, yep. and we looked pretty good. We looked like we had some impetus. We looked like we had some imagination. But we only get that in glimpses when we when we kind of go level or fall behind, and it's really frustrating because you see what the potential is. Um, we, I think we do also need to just touch on how good Ndombele was. Like, despite everything in this game, he's absurdly yeah. good, Nathan, isn't he? He's incredible. He's really just ridiculous. I was saying in the ex-subs um, chat that. Like he should be our, he should be like City used De Bruyne. Everything should be going through Ndombele. He's that good. He's so, he's so intelligent. He's so good. He loves to get, he loves to feel the football. He like, and, and we we're seeing these sort of sporadic moments where he gets the ball every five minutes, and it's frustrating the hell out of me because I feel like there's so much more to come from him. But he just kind of, he's picking up on scraps and making things happen time and time again, and and driving us forward and getting fouled. But I'd want to see just, I just want to see him on the ball constantly. I want to see him dictating the play and able to to pass and move and pass and move and ah, oh, it's it's driving me mad not getting a chance to see that. Um, I'll reference the ex subs one more time. In fact, I, I want to give him a shout out because at a, a time where it's quite difficult to be a Spurs fan at the moment after three pretty disappointing performances, they are like a comfort blanket. These people, they're, they're such good people on there. Um, but Shafe, who is one of the ex subs, said, "How many times in a season?" Can you go to the appointing that match? Isn't a bad hmm. result, refrain, before it's too many for a club with top four aspirations. I mean, buddy, the thing is, a point away at Wolves is not a bad result. It's, <laughs> no, the, it's, it's the context, isn't it? That's the, that's the issue. It's the had we. It's all yes, exactly. It's the context. Had we been losing one nil and bang, got a got a last minute winner from a corner, would be delighted at, at claiming back a point. Um, but it is it isn't a bad result. It's it's bad. It also, when you took a look at the context of how all the other teams around us performed that weekend, it was a massive, massive opportunity to close the gap on on everybody and jump a load of teams. And it, I think those lost two points it hurts more because of that. But yeah, a point away at Wolves isn't bad. Um, I thought the corner just, but I mean maybe it was 15, 20 minutes before. Sais did exactly the same thing, and it was it was close. So I. You could see their tactic, and it, and I just thought Ben Davies was a little bit slow. Then I just thought Harry Kane was a little bit too close to the goal, almost like he needed to be a step further out, and he he probably would have cut cut it out or at least blocked the run. Yeah, it's not a bad place to go. It's a it may turn out to be a solid point, but um, it's disappointing because everyone else messed up. But we're still in the top four. We still have top four aspirations. We're not a mile. We're not miles off the league. It's a bad run of form. It needs to be turned around. It needs to be changed. And hopefully the next month or so with an easier run of games, 
this will happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. So there's some, I think there's some interesting talking points there in our in our run of fixtures. Um, mm. But let's just very briefly touch upon Stoke. And I think, I mean, obviously the main talking point is Delhi. Um, I think we do need to we do need to spend some time talking about Delhi because there's, there's a bit to unpack. Um, but that match was really hard work as well. Like I struggled to to watch that match. It was it was a three one win, which on the surface feels fairly comprehensive and we were in the lead for, for a fairly long time as well. Um, but it wasn't comfortable viewing. This was Stoke's B team, Nathan. Um, why did we struggle to, to convincingly beat Stoke's B team? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it didn't, it didn't, I, I guess I didn't really have a, um, a standard sort of perception of this match. I feel like I was just so invested in Delhi in this game. I was more interested in in his uh, his results <laughs> rather. Go on than then. The no, team. go on then. Talk us talk us through what happened with Delhi. Well, this was like this was his big chance because obviously we've seen him come into sort of second string games before, but when he's done so, he's played in second string teams. So this was his chance to play with Kane and Son. And I was re- I was legitimately excited about that. I was excited for a League Cup game, which is not something I feel a lot of the time, you know. So I thought, <laughs> okay, great. This let's let's see it. And then I thought he played well, and he played well when he came off. And then Mourinho complained about him losing the ball on a single occasion, and Stoke scoring thirty seconds later, having passed all the way back to the keeper. And it doesn't feel like a win to me. I mean, in a way, it's because now we, we've, we've drawn, you know, into the semi-final and, and we've got the easier draw and there's a route to the final and that's kind of exciting. So that part of it, sort of the day after or two days later, is, is like, oh, OK, yeah, that's nice. But at the time, it didn't feel like a good experience. Yeah. Um, Tim Hopkin asked us, um, can or will Bardi justify blaming Delhi for Stokes' goal, my manager and all that? It, it reminded me of um, of when Julio went after Ginola um, when he lost the Ooh, ball against yes. Bulgaria. He lost the ball against Bulgaria and Bulgaria ran down the other end. Konstantinov scored the winner and Bulgaria went to the World Cup and ended up in the semis where they got beaten by Italy. Nice. I see, how I, see what I did there. And um, it's, not, it's not smart. It's not right. It's not correct. There was many transitions of plays there was many opportunities for Tottenham to stop that attack from happening um, I thought it was a bit unfair to go after Delhi for that I do agree sometimes counter-attacks do end at Delhi's feet because he he sometimes overthinks or sometimes he tries a, a low percentage ball and he gets caught there, just before he was substituted we had a great opportunity to counter and he, he did something similar but they, they didn't have a counter-attack from it I think I think Delhi. I like Delhi. I've always liked Delhi. I think there's definitely room for him in his team, but I think he's now caught between keeping it simple and then not standing out or trying too much and getting caught out. He's he's a bit in that kind of Lewis Holtby space where he can't seem to do anything right. Um, I don't know if this is going to change under Mourinho. I think he'll probably be sold, which is which is a shame. But if we sell Delhi and sign Sabitzer, then I'm okay with that. What's interesting is our manager calls out a player for um, having a sort of a flick, a creative flick in his own half uh, in one game against Stoke. 
Uh, and then against Wolves in our next match, we don't have any creativity. Uh, and uh, you know, you can draw a line between those things and say this is the result of scaring players. You know, if 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 a manager is publicly sort of ostracising one of your teammates for doing something, naturally you're going to play a bit more conservatively. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if we do lack creativity going forward. I mean. Pfft, Perhaps, perhaps that will become a thing. I, th- I think there are specific ways that Mourinho wants us to score goals, yeah. and they are: we play, we we pick up on loose balls, perhaps through Sissoko or Ndombele. We give the ball to Kane as early as possible. Kane spins and plays a ball over the top for Son or Bergwijn or whoever it might be, and we try and counter quickly. And, and none of that involves a layoff, a flick. It's all involving um, fast forward passes. But, but precise and um, carefully constructed passes. Delhi's not that kind of player. Delhi's much more intuitive. He's much more risky. Um, he's much more... He, he plays with his feelings more than with his head, I would say. And the downside of that is you do give the ball up a lot. Like, Delhi does undoubtedly give the ball away plenty. Loads. But when it works, when it works, it quite often creates chance. It quite quite often make something happen. He he catches players, opposition players off guard. In doing that once or twice in the match, you're then keeping them guessing for the whole rest of the game as to what you're going to do next. And you, you create a, an advantage mentally for yourself. And it's it's pretty clever. It's it's it should be applauded. It should be enjoyed. It should be consumed by us rather than people taking to, you know getting into line behind their manager hmm. To, to go to war against Delhi for for daring to be creative. I, I think I find it really sad actually that people were sort of so happy to to sort of try and stamp out his creativity. Um, and you know perhaps he does need to go somewhere else now where where it will be embraced and enjoyed. Um, because if that's the reaction he's going to get at Spurs, then 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 what's the point? You know we, you're losing what makes Delhi the player he is if if you're going to stamp out that kind of creative aspect. And now I don't get me wrong, I appreciate that. A flick in your own half is clearly more risky than a flick at the opposition's box. It was it was a poor decision because there's a there's a simpler pass across the field to the wide player there. Um, I'd yeah, like, he could play he could play to Lucas. Yeah, so it's not a case of like he did the right thing and he's getting blamed for it. like it, it's not unfair to it wouldn't be unfair for us on this podcast to critique that pass we do that a lot so mm-hmm. it's not like there's nothing there to critique but it's the exaggeration that like that was directly counterattacked upon which isn't true and it's the 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 sense of unfairness in that like yeah the play that he could have passed to is lucas and lucas loses the ball even more than delhi so um, much more not that that, and again, not that, that. You know who loses the ball more than anyone else in all of football? Do you know who the world's leading ball loser is? I'm going to guess it's Harry Kane. It's Leo Messi. Messi. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, like you have to take risks to do things, and like it's okay sometimes if they don't if they don't work out. So I don't know. And 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 our friend Harry <laughs> makes the point that like perhaps this is the right way to get to Delhi. Perhaps that this is how he he responds. Whereas Lucas needs coddling. Delhi needs getting drawn out over the coals in the media. I don't believe that, but I can't definitively say no. Oh, that's yeah. not how it is. It's so annoying that we can't. We can't. There's nothing. There's no answer to that, is there? Like <laughs> this. This is like I tweeted about this after the. I, I was really upset from on Delhi's behalf. To be honest, sure. I, I hated what Mourinho did to him. I hated it so much. 
Um, and one of the things that I said in my in my chain of tweets is that the manager completely controls the narrative here. He can say whatever he wants unchallenged because we don't get to see training. We don't know what Delhi's attitude is like. We don't know anything goes on behind the scenes. So the manager who chooses to publicly voice these these thoughts when he doesn't have to, we have to take what he says at face value to some degree. And what he's been saying in recent weeks is Delhi is training well. That's that's you know we have to accept that at face value. And hard. Exactly, exactly. So I'm I'm assuming therefore that uh, that that Delhi's doing his best and getting his head down. And the only way that Delhi can control the narrative is in those minutes he gets on the pitch. And in my view, he was our best player. If not our best players, then you know second it, it, second best player. But I appreciate that it's best player in a in a match in which we're largely poor <laughs> you know, all the players side. have played badly yeah, so a six out of ten is the best player but it's not the point you know um but he, he, he did get but, voted out of the match by the fans as well i mean i'm i've just I, the, the the flick left me so i just went back and looked at it and i'm not defending Mourinho, but i can see why Mourinho's furious with that because Mourinho wants we, we've talked about Mourinho plays percentages he wants his team to play a certain way especially in areas of danger and in the center circle there is that easy pass to Lucas. And Delhi chose not to do that. Chelly, Delhi chose not to follow a Mourinho directive to the T. Like, Mourinho, get the ball, keep the ball, move forward, let's go, counter-attack. Delhi decided to do something inspirational, something lovely, had it turned, had it worked, but it didn't work out. Cost us, a, It didn't cost us a goal, but it resulted in an opportunity for, for Stoke, which they took. And... I can see why Mourinho's pissed off because if he's drilling his players to play a certain way and then Delhi comes on and doesn't do that, then then of course he's going to get he's going to get told off. I don't agree with how it should have been done publicly, but I would one hundred percent I'm stand with Mourinho here. In the changing room, he's right to have a go at Delhi for that. He shouldn't have done it publicly, but I'm I'm gonna stand by Mourinho criticizing. I just gonna criticize Mourinho for the way he did it. That pass should have gone to Lucas and you know, that's the way it should have that's that's how we should have attacked there. I, I I agree. I do agree that if the instruction is that we don't try flicks, we don't try anything fancy. No, no, no. But we try fancy stuff, but in certain areas. In certain yeah. areas, you're, you, you have the freedom to be as creative and as magical as you want in certain areas. But in that position where the, there's an easy, char, easy pass on, um, that's where it shouldn't be. Allowed. Well, it's where he doesn't want it to be done. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to the... Um, the, the podcast did with with Alex Doyle on um, sports psychology and you're right that it's it's not so much the fact that he's annoyed with Delhi which I think is legitimate if that you know if, if all the assumptions we just made are correct it's the it's the approach that he's taken which completely mm. undermines any kind of mental preparation you might have done with a player to try and get him back to the level that you know he can play at um you, you would in fact you should be going back and reviewing the process steps and saying look here's here's the things we're learning here's all the work you did in training that got us to this point where you were on the pitch i was really pleased with that work and here's where i need you to then in, improve this so that it doesn't happen again shown tape and, and ex- explain the um explain the end result but yeah 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 no I, I agree i agree that if that is something he's been drilling into the players and then delhi directly went against his instructions then that would be frustrating for sure but like as nathan says to blame him for the goal is is absurd mm. I and mean, it's ridiculous yes. yeah yeah 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so, so looking at our fixtures, we've taken nine points from what we knew was a really difficult run of matches. Um, I mean, I thought ten points. I thought ten to twelve points would be par through through that period. So we're only just what I would have considered to be par. We're only just under that. So not the not the end of the world in terms of the results. And you know, as Bardi mentioned earlier, other teams aren't getting away from us. They're they're struggling too. They're they're slipping up too. So. Liverpool had a, a costly draw this game week, for example. Um, Leicester are playing Palace as we record and are, be, are being held as well. They're, they're one all with Crystal Palace, which is the same result we had. Um, the next six, so Barney's already, already referenced the next six fixtures and how things seem to turn a bit. And things get interesting, right? So this is, this is what we've got lined up for our next few games. Fulham at home, Leeds at home, Brentford at home, then Marine away, Aston Villa away, and Sheffield United away. So I don't know if this is just because it's the way I'm feeling, but of all of those matches, the one that scares me most is Fulham. Uh, Fulham have uh, now got a, a sort of defensive resolve since Parker's made some defensive lineup changes and also sort of seems to have drilled into them a system which is working quite well and they're, they're playing on the counter, they're soaking up pressure themselves and playing on the counter. Uh, and, and that is a match which I think has nil-nil written all over it. Uh, Leeds, I'm less concerned about, but that will be a very chaotic match, I suspect. Yeah. Brentford will be very interesting. Marina in the seventh tier, so there shouldn't be too much to, to worry about there. And then Villa away, pff, don't know what to make of that. And Sheffield United away. Well, Sheffield United this season are the worst team in the Premier League by distance. We, we should be able to get a result against them, even if we... Um, even if we don't play it to our best, um, Bud, you're confident about this run of games, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll, I think we'll get, I think we'll win pretty much all of them. We'll maybe draw one, but I, I, I expect us to, to, to really put the put the pressure on Jesus. No more putting the pressure. <laughs> I, ex- I expect us to collect a 95% maximum points. We maybe draw to to Villa or do something ridiculous against Sheffield United. But this is a good run of form. We we, we were talking about um, two months ago when we looked at the Christmas period. We are like, wow, that's a tough run of games. Nine points is is okay. I think had we beaten Palace, then we'd be sitting here right now nodding our heads going, that was a pretty decent run. Um, but because we only got nine, there is pressure on us now to collect maximum points, but I have faith that we will. We really we really need to do well in this run because um, it turns again. It turns again pretty sharply. So after this run of six, we then play Liverpool at home, Brighton away, Chelsea at home, West Brom at home, Man City away. So, uh, I mean, we've we've proven we can we can perform well against Man City and Chelsea. We've proven we can perform well against Liverpool. So I'm not writing those off by any stretch. But that's a difficult set of um, fixtures, which is going to take it out of us. We we have to make sure that we turn things around quickly and start putting some results together. Nathan, do you think we need to change our style in order to do that? 
Probably, yeah. You, do you feel that it's because teams have worked out our counterattacks that we need to change our style, or do you think it's that we just can't continue scoring at this sort of unsustainable rate? No, I'm not worried about our like the way we perform in the opening 20 minutes of games. Statistically, the suggestion is that that's unsustainable. I'm not. I'm not especially worried about that. It's the rest of the game that is my concern. Um, I won't say that. Like, we can't do what we've done and it won't work because, like, it's within the swings of balance. It's within the swings of possibility that, like, we could get one nils for the next six games. Um, or even more than that, that we could find a way to get counterattacks off once we're a goal up um, and start, you know, on the scoreline blowing teams away because we've, con- we've put four counterattacks in the back of the net. Um, I just feel like football is going back to, you know, completing or no not completing but recreating the trends that we've seen over the last decade as teams are getting fitter um yes the fact that we're becoming a tiny bit predictable and how we counterattack plays is playing a role in this but i think it's more about fitness than about anything else um so i think i mean I, i i will avoid giving sort of a definitive claim right now and i will say that like this run of games will will give us a pretty good answer on whether or not the way that we've been approaching games this season is viable that you know going forward from this point on in the history of football mm. i think i think nathan makes really good points there i um, we played against a Leicester team who are perfectly set up to sit deep and counter us, do exactly what we do and and then be able to stop us. We played a Liverpool team who are a magnificent team. Um, we played Wolves who are also really well drilled, got some great players and, and able to, to stop, uh, stop us playing how we want to play. Can Fulham do that? No. Can Leeds do that? I think we're going to absolutely destroy Leeds on the counter attack. I just, I just see, I just don't see them being able to live with the Kane Son, the Saint, the Kane Son partnership. And I think we'll probably do the same to Villa and Sheffield United. I just, I have, I have faith in how we play, the style we have. We're so good at that style that certain teams won't be able to live with it. And I think that's what's going to happen in the next seven, in the next run of games. I definitely feel better about the Leeds game. I feel like that's a game we can control to some degree. Um, yeah, I don't think Mourinho will be drawn out against Leeds like a lot of teams are. And so I don't think they'll find the space to create chances. The problem is I mean, Leeds actually did defend really well this weekend. I was I was very surprised. They played they played almost um, a sweeper system with, uh, with, with Phillips dropping into the back line. It was interesting. Ailing had a really good game at centre-back too. Uh, so there's, they definitely have the ability to defend, but I, I feel more confident on the Leeds game. It's the Fulham one that I'm worried about. And if we if we don't beat Fulham, <laughs> the misery starts to pile in. But I mean, the misery's always already set in, to be honest. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because we got a, a bunch of emails straight after the game from, from quite upset Spurs fans. And this tends to happen when things are going badly. Uh, here was one of them. So Joshua Wilkin emailed us with a subject. This is supposed to be fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Joshua says, perhaps I can't have it both ways. When this style was, for the most part, working, I was happy with it. Perhaps it's not fair to complain when it's not working. Um, you can have it both ways. Yeah. Yeah, you can have it both ways, can't you? Yeah. Because... <laughs> because this isn't a fun style, so the the joy you get is is the the points on the board. Yeah, and and the um, highlights of of you know the the three attacks you have and the goals that you score from them. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the West Ham game is a, is a prime example of that. We scored three fantastic goals yeah. against West Ham. Really, really fantastic. And if you just watch the first half of the UG highlights, it's <laughs> a very enjoyable watch. Um, yeah, no, no, I think it's, I think it's a good point. Uh, my, my counterpoint to Joshua would be, unlike Barley, I'm not convinced it was working back then. So, I mean, I keep going on about the Burnley, the West Brom and the Brighton games. I, I think, you know, we were a... Uh, an insane cane backheader, uh, hmm. a set piece, and whatever happened against Brighton away from not getting the results in those ones as well. So uh, my feeling is we've been really good in the games that, where we've like expected nothing, the City, Chelsea, and Liverpool games in this run, and, and less so in the other ones. Uh, but buddy, set pieces... Set pieces are a viable way of scoring. Just because you score a goal from a set piece doesn't devalue the game or the goal. Liverpool Absolutely. beat us from a Liverpool beat us from a set piece, you know. So I, I think you're a little bit unfair to criticise a win because it come from a set piece. Just as I think you're a little bit unfair to criticise a win because it came from a bit of genius from Kane. Because genius and set pieces quite often win games. Um, I I agree that this is supposed to be fun and winning games is fun but losing games and drawing games isn't as fun and I, w- I wouldn't be happy um, losing a game but we had possession and we, we played we did that so yeah it's, it, it, never, we're not winning games is never ever fun even when you play amazing football if you lose the game it's fucking shit um, I would prefer us to not play fucking shit most of the time but <laughs> we are where we are where we are and um we will have to. We have to wait. We can't. We can't judge this season on a game by game situation. This is a. This is a marathon, and we we may be getting a little bit of cramp. We may be chafing. We may need to grab a bit of Vaseline and rub it on in between our butt cheeks to stop it from burning. But <laughs> this, this is it's a marathon, man. And we have to when we when we reach the line, we'll look at the clock and see what we've done. If it's shit, then we we know we haven't trained well enough, and we haven't done well enough and something needs to change for next time but up until this moment we are where we are and we just got to ride it and we got to get through the wall so we had an email from uh philip derbacy uh philip said i have a mental image that sums up this season for me when i was young i had a giant mutt a rottweiler labrador mix well over 100 pounds a friend of mine had an old mean jack russell terrier every time they met my dog being good natured would happily roll over in submission anytime this pipsqueak um, snarled, snarled and yapped I find myself thinking about those canine interactions all the time when I watch Spurs this season. Why do we behave as though middling clubs, Wolves, Palace, Leicester, are ferocious when we're clearly bigger and scarier than they are? Bardi, I thought you might like this one as you you do like an analogy. And you like dogs as well. I do, I do. Um, I think it's a bit unfair to call Wolves and Leicester middling. I agree with Palace. We should we should have gone after Palace and t- tore their throats out. Um, but... It's just the way we're playing at the moment. Through Nathan said it many times, through fitness and everything else, this is just the way we are. We, um, I don't know if we roll over and reveal our little bellies, but we, <laughs> we tend to retreat back into our into our little. What's the dog box called? Where does a dog live? Kennel. What's it? Yeah, yeah we, we we moonwalk back into our kennel and we we stay there snarling at people. But sometimes a little dog can squeeze in and bite us. It's um. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. It's a good analogy though. Hundred pound dog. This must be fucking massive, man. Right? Yeah. Size of that. How much is? Imagine. Sometimes I take my dad's dog out for a walk, and I have the poop scoop bags, and you picking it up. You're like bloody hell. That's almost full up, and he's only like a forty kilo dog. How much? How big does a bag need to be to pick up? <laughs> 
A hundred pound dog, hundred pound dog shit. It must be a lot, man. Anyway, it's truly the most pressing question of the the first <laughs> season. It's just the way it is. Just Tottenham, man. Just win the games, and we don't have to have these conversations. <laughs> I mean, I think you you you've just you've inadvertently just given us another analogy. How much yeah. shit are Tottenham <laughs> going to provide for us as fans this season? How much shit do we have to pick up? <laughs> Uh, we're picking up a lot of shit right now. Picking up a lot. Uh, Abdul says, I was hoping you could touch on the narrative that Ndombele can't play 90 minutes. It's kind of annoying that everyone reverts to this narrative every time Josie subs Ndombele off after roughly 60 minutes. I don't really think he's ever dropped less than a 7 of 10 performance any time he's featured in the squad. And some of our biggest capitulations and our second half drop-offs have come after he was either subbed off or wasn't involved. And this is something that I've seen mentioned on Twitter mm. quite a bit as well. And we had a conversation with Harry Brooks about this when he was on the pod recently and spoke about how his his play style um, might might lead to him naturally becoming more exhausted, which I think is is a legit thing. Um, just as much as I would love to see Ndombele play deep once or twice, I'd also love to see Ndombele play the full 90 once or twice because I'm absolutely convinced that he can do it and not drop off significantly. And Nathan, do you have any thoughts? I, I don't think it's a, a fictional narrative. Um, he looks tired before he comes off to me. Um, yeah, H- Harry's right that, like, you know, it's the getting up after you've been knocked over. It's the pivoting on a single foot. It's the explosive, uh, fast twitch muscle recruitment that's the exhausting uh, element. Um, the greatest mixed martial artist in the world, Habib Nurmagomedov, defeats his opponent by wearing them down, by taking them down and making them stand up, and taking them down and making them stand up, and taking them down and making them stand up. It's it's the most effective way to wear a person out, and that is the way that Ndombele chooses to play. Um, he played full 90s for Leon. Uh, more often than not, I think. And he played them in a two-man midfield alongside Hassanois, who now plays most of his games as a number 10. It's an interesting thing to think about. Um, so, like, it's not impossible for him, but, like, I don't think that, like, it's a fiction that he's tired around 70 minutes. I think he often is. Um, he looks tired at kickoff. Do you reckon that's just his... <laughs> It's just his gait. It's just his style. Yeah, mm. yeah. He's just, he looks tired generally. He's so, always blowing. Hoybier looks shattered after 10 minutes as well, but he, he always flows the 90, so I don't know. I don't know. I honestly think that that it's normally to do with the player, like who's coming off the bench. Mourinho just likes a like-for-like substitution. But I think that's it. I think he he, he doesn't want to move Ndombele deeper into midfield because he thinks it's too risky. Uh, and therefore, he's the one that gets sacrificed. That's... That's the way I see it. I really would like to see him play the full 90, though. Uh, it's clear that we drop off whenever he leaves the pitch. He was a, a big loss for sure yesterday. That's, I mean, uh, inarguable, I would say, at this point. Um, question from uh, Lost Pancakes, who is an ex-sub. I realise this is super reactionary, and I believe both of these will happen this year, but... dot 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 Is Jose fired if no trophy or top four? Body, do you think? I mean, that would be an expensive decision for Daniel Levy to make. Um, I think there might be a way out for both parties, depending on what happens at the Euros. Maybe Portugal change their manager, and Mourinho has has a way there as a way out. Um, he would save face. Spurs would save money. That's that's always a way out. Um, 
I I still believe I still think we'll win. I still think we'll win something. I think this League Cup opportunity is is just incredible. The the run we've had. I mean, we beat Chelsea, but then after that, we've just played trash the whole way to the semi-final. So if we get through Brentford, Mourinho has the opportunity to to win a cup. And if the Portugal job comes open, he he leaves. He can show I won a cup at Tottenham. No one else does that. And everybody's happy and then we can move on to something else but if we finish top four and we get a trophy he he'll stay for sure he's not he's not going anywhere he'll want a crack at the champions league absolutely i mean the only thing i think nathan that pushes him towards the exit door is crowds coming back into football stadiums because i I feel like these sorts of performances whether you're winning or not become tiresome quite quickly if you're actually at the games and and paying a lot of money to be there Uh, and what do you think nathan do you think that we get booed off against Palace and Wolves? Um, definitely against Palace. Um, well, maybe against they're, Wolves. They're away games, so now yeah. away fans are slightly different. So yeah. no, I think, I think against Leicester there may yeah. have been some grumbles, yeah, yeah. but I still, I still think we're a long, long way off being being. I think a lot of fans booing. are pretty happy. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, the thing is, it's. it's it's probably as divided as the Spurs fan base has ever been. In that there are a lot Absolutely. of people who dislike Mourinho or didn't dislike Mourinho, but dislike the way that we're playing now. And a lot of fans who say, "Hey, look, we were top a couple of weeks ago." And I think that like it just it was a similar situation at United in that it just really finds that that dividing line on the way that people perceive football, the way that people mm. choose to enjoy football, and just splits it into two complete opposite extremes and and turns the fan base sort of against yeah. itself so yeah like, it's hard like i think that like yeah you would maybe get as much cheering as booing at the end of games and i don't know what that does really for anyone yeah. or anything so yeah you're, you're so right there's so many different lines of divide right now aren't there mm-hmm. you know you've got, people who who just didn't want Mourinho from the start and equally people who didn't want Pochettino to leave uh, that, there's one immediate divide then you've got people who like I guess like me who were willing to give Mourinho a chance trying to you know listen to the, what the words he was saying that yep. he's changed that he's learned stuff uh, and and then once it became clear that he hasn't changed he's still the same person went off him very quickly uh, and then you've got people who were like no no I don't mind him as a person in fact I quite liked him on all or nothing but now I'm not enjoying this side of football and then you've got people who were absolute staunch Mourinho till the day they die. People who think that he can win us a trophy and we don't win trophies. So that's a good thing. He's yep. got these different camps. It's it's quite remarkable. I've never known anything like it as a Spurs fan. The the amount of different um, sorts of divide is it's staggering, really. Well, that is a is part of of modern football. That is everybody has a voice. Everybody has an opinion. We have our opinions. I think. Um, I think with Mourinho, you have to take this as over a season. I know our our kind of role here is to analyse every game by game and look at the the each 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 stop that this bus takes along its journey. Um, if we get to the end of the season and we've been playing shit the whole time, then of course I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to see this. But I'm I'm willing. I'm allowing myself a third. I'm giving Mourinho 38 games. Let's see what let's see where we end up, man. We've we've been on we've been on many journeys where we played spectacular stuff and came out of it upset and down about it. I mean, I, I don't when um, when we finished third 
that season. I was at that last home game of the season and I felt like shit. Well, there's the Southampton match. When we lost to Newcastle, I felt like shit, man. Mm. I didn't think, I didn't think, oh my God, I'm so proud of how we played this season. No, at that moment, I was just like, dear God, this is the worst I've ever felt as a Spurs fan. And we finished third in the league, man. Yeah. Um, when we lost to Chelsea, um, when we lost, when we didn't beat Chelsea in the league that year, I, I felt like shit as well. And, I, and it's very difficult. It's, it's, we have to take this as a season. Yes, it's awful. Well, it's not even awful. It's Drew, man. Let's, let's not get that twisted. Yes, it's not great at the moment. But, but we're still in the Europa League. We're in the League Cup semi-final. We're fifth in the league. Leicester, I don't, I don't think Leicester won today. We could go above Leicester in a bit. It's okay. It's okay. Yes, the football's not very good, but we're all right, everybody. Let's relax. We're not Arsenal, for fuck's sake. We're doing okay. We have to judge us at the end of the season. Then at the end of the season, we'll sit down and then let's get our knives out and start sticking it to Mourinho. But right now, let's just be a bit positive, you know? Let's just try and try and enjoy. <laughs> try and enjoy it a little Are you bit. saying positivity, belief, positivity, belief? <laughs> it's exactly what I'm saying. I think man. that's what you're saying. It's exactly what I'm saying. Well, it's either that or doobie doobie dabba doobie dabba or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Whatever the hell it was. Yeah, my manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to end on this question from Abby from the X-Subs. Abby's great, by the way. Abby's so dedicated to Fantasy Premier League hmm. that um, she set up a, a bot to pick uh, an, an FPL team for her. Uh, oh, wow. based upon recent form which was very which is very fun it's a very fun thing to do and i'm enjoying hearing about it and it's a really good team the bots picked as well it's certainly doing better than, than i've been doing this season <laughs> um so so here's what abby says abby says how can we change our style of play after one hard to swallow result against west ham but we don't seem to be changing a thing now when we've had like four in a row and a bunch more that happened to just go our way before that could it be that we didn't actually change after west ham and they were just the first team who found us out Nathan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think that's... I think the difference is that, like, we we got our counters off against West Ham. And then also we had, like, a horrific fall, unrepeatable, uh, you know, 1% or 0.1% chance of conceding three goals in the last in the last 10 minutes kind of thing. I don't, I don't really think that there's been a, a dramatic change in play. I think that this is how we've been playing pretty much since the return of football post-lockdown. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the calendar year, nearly. So, um, but I do agree with the sentiment of like, sort of, hey, things aren't working. Maybe we should think about some other ideas. Um, is 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 that is that sort of the existing narrative? Is that the perception that we were playing a certain way up until the West Ham game, and then we tried to shore things up? Yeah, there's this um, there's this narrative that's come up that Mourinho is so spooked by conceding three goals against West Ham mm. that since then we've we've locked down any lead we've had maybe a little maybe to an extent i think it's just it's a mild tweaking of things i guess i think that's not unreasonable uh mild tweaking things or again it could just be that's the beginning of teams starting to get some fitness together and and now you know so uh Mm -hmm. mm, i don't know I, i guess like Maybe it's not Mourinho. Maybe it's the players have been spooked by the West Ham game, and maybe the you know they're dropping off um, after one goal instead of two to an extent. 
I, ju- I just think like what so we had this conversation obviously the other day where it's like um, uh, with the Palace game of like Mourinho coming out after the game and saying I didn't tell them to sit back after scoring one I didn't say you have to uh, you know you, you can't see out a game with a one goal lead in the Premier League uh, and of course he definitely believes all of that but at the same time it's like us changing from a 3-4-3 to a 4-2-3-1 perfectly coincides with us no longer attacking for the rest of the game Yeah, and it's like Mourinho hasn't said everybody stop attacking but he's said literally anything and the player's gone oh I guess that means that we have to sit in our own box for the remaining 80 minutes or you know 60 minutes or whatever so uh, yeah I don't know I don't know Body I mean like as yeah, life would be easier if we could defend set pieces. It's true, it's true. You know, like we're not... it's hurting us. It's hurt us against Everton, it hurt us against Liverpool, it hurt us against Palace, and it um hurt us against Wolves as well. I we're not brilliant from defensive set pieces. It's something I brought up in the past. It's something that Mourinho's had a bit of a problem with going back ten years because like again, we talked about this before back back several episodes ago, but like historically what he's done is he uses a two zonal and the rest man marking. He buys loads of tall players exclusively. That works. Mm. <laughs> and now it doesn't because teams have plays have, have have ideas can manipulate us using the same defensive setup every single corner forever um so yes we have a problem defending set pieces it's not a huge problem it's sort of a a middling issue but you combine that with another middling issue of we concede a hell of a lot of corners and suddenly you've got like that's that's enough to concede a goal a game right you give up 10 15 corners a game you're conceding maybe once in every 15 corners individually mm-hmm. those aren't terrible things but together not, yeah. not even not even together on their own because you can can concede a goal a game but if you only score one goal if you always concede 10 to 15 corners and if you concede a goal every 10 to 15 corners you're going to draw games one all yeah. and one of the reasons we're con- conceding so many corners is because we have so many players defending in our box so yeah. lots of shots get deflected out for corners definitely um i also just to note that we are because i i know someone will pull us up on this if i don't say it we are outperforming our xa right our goal expected goals against which direction do you mean by so so we are doing like way better than we should have been doing i believe so we've conceded 15 goals from 17.7 expected goals against us Okay, I thought it was more stark than that. Maybe it's caught up recently. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere that it was a wide difference than that. I mean, it might vary from model to model. Uh, I'm taking mm. that from Understat, who I believe scraped okay. their data directly from Opta. Um, and, and you're going to have different calculations. But it, it seems like, yeah, it's it's a moderate, okay, fair enough, fair moderate enough. sort of luck swing in our way, if you want to interpret it that way, for simplicity's sake. Interesting. Okay, well... Hopefully, next time we're together, we'll have uh, a win to talk about. Uh, but until then... I, w- I wait before we end, Wendy, I would just like a little shout out and perhaps a video from Nathan on um, Scheuberg's, um role in uh, Endombele's goal. Because that was... I haven't seen I haven't seen an attacking action like that on the corner ever in my mm. life where he jumped and the star jump and allowed the ball to go between his legs. It, it was quite something, and um, I, I don't think we talked about that, that that jump enough. So maybe maybe we can have something on that. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. great, great. 
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.